This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Alright, so again, this is Pastor Appreciation Month, and we're dealing with restoration or restoring this generation. And so for my part, I'm going to title this message, Restoration, Preparation for What is Coming. Again, Restoration, Preparation for What is Coming. Now, as an opening statement, I'm going to read these things and I'm going to try my stay with my notes. It helps me sometimes, but we'll see how the Spirit of God moves like He always does. So an opening statement for this is, first of all, again, I want to make sure I say this. I am so thankful to God for my founding pastor and all he has sown in my life. I am forever grateful to my founding pastor for that. And I said this before and I continue to say everything that I am as a man, a husband, a father, and now even a grandfather is because of this ministry. And let that sink in there. Uh, that, that, is, that is my witness. That's my testimony for how the impact of this ministry has been to my life. Everything I am. As a man and a husband and a father and a grandfather is because of this ministry. That means I put myself in position to hear from God. And then once I heard from God in this ministry, I just actually obeyed. Can you imagine that? Hear the word of God and apply it and then see the impact of your life being changed. That's what this ministry means to me. That's why everything I am is because of this ministry. And I am also so thankful to God for my current pastor, Pastor Alva Hill, for her accepting the call and moving us forward in the work of the Lord. You have kept the order of God in this place. You continue to feed us with knowledge and understanding. For you are truly after God's purpose for our lives and for generations to come. So this year for Pastor Appreciation Month, let's remember this. This is all about God's plan and his purpose. Again, I'll say it again. This year for Pastor Appreciation Month, let's remember this is all about God's plan and His purpose. We are not just going through the motion with all these teachings and warnings. You have to take God seriously. Take heed that you are truly in the moment of this season. You have to be in the moment of this season. Putting in the effort to prepare for what is coming. You've got to put forth the effort in this season, in this moment, to prepare for what is coming. To restoring this generation, to deposit resources for the next generation, to establishing this church. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 reads, but as it is written, I have not seen, nor ear heard, 
neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God have prepared for them that love him. God is preparing us for the work that he has planned for us to do. Again, God is preparing us for the work that he has planned for us to do. For those that love him. And this is the preparation process to finish that plan. And God will reveal it to us by his spirit. But you have to have fellowship with him to receive this revelation by his spirit. Never forget this. This is God's plan. It's his work. He is preparing us for this work. Again, I have not seen or ear heard, neither have it entered into the heart of man, the things which God has prepared for them that love him. He's preparing us. That's why I thank God for our pastor, for the gift of the office of pastor here in this place. That is showing us that God has a work for us to do. Why would God give us a pastor if he didn't have a work for us to do? To show us and prepare us for the work. We're thankful for God for that. That he has a work for us to do as a ministry. And he's preparing us for that work. Now let's remember where we are. Go to the book of Nehemiah. This is going to go back and give some previous reminders about some teachings that came before. The book of Nehemiah, chapter 2, verse 17. The book of Nehemiah, chapter 2, verse 17, reads, Then said I unto them, Ye see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lieth the waste, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Come, let us build up the wall of Jerusalem, that we be no more a reproach. Then I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me, as also the king's words that he had spoken unto me. And they said, Let us rise up. And build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. But when Sambalat, the Horonite, and Tobiah, the servant, the Ammonite, and Geshem, the Arabian, heard this, they laughed us to scorn and despised us and said, What is this thing that ye do? Will you rebel against the king? Then answered I them and said unto them, The God of heaven, he will prosper us. Therefore, we his servants will arise and build. But ye have no portion, no right, no memorial in Jerusalem. So remember where we are. We are in a place of distress. We teach these things, understanding that the church has been founded, but not established. We are now in the establishing phase of this ministry. Understand this, when these things have been said, we are one generation away from us not continuing. That's why we must restore this generation. That's why we must arise and build. And there will be opposition to us. As we are restoring this generation, as we are rising and building, we have an adversary. We have adversaries amongst us. 
As Paul said in one passage of Scripture in Acts, we have these grievous wolves that come in to, 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 with the flock, that come spread out the flock. We have those grievous wolves among us, not sparing the flock. They will laugh at us. They will despise us. But as, as Nehemiah said in verse 20, but know God. He will prosper us. The God of heaven is with us. God is with us. You know, the God that we have been talking about on Wednesday nights, the almighty God, the all-knowing God, the, the ever-present God, that God is with us. So whom should we fear? Why are we afraid of this work? God, the almighty God, is with us. And He will prosper us. God will. And His servants will arise and build. And those that will not arise and build will have no portion, no right, and no memorial in this work. What does that mean? That means everyone has an opportunity in this time to arise and build, to restore this generation. That is a work for all of us, not just for a certain group. It's for all of us to do. And if you do not put your hands to the work, then you will have no portion in it. You have to put your hands to the work. You have to put forth effort in the work. You have to get up on the wall and stay and prepare to do the work. That's where we are. And I'm going to tell you something. I am thankful to God that he has brought me into the kingdom for such a time as this. That means he has already prepared us for this work. That we're able to do it. We're able to go out and possess the land. We're able to arise and build. We're able to establish the things of this ministry. Our founding pastor spent 30 years founding this, this, this ministry. Now we're in establishing faith. I thank God we are, we are the ones that are still here to get this established. That's an honor and a privilege by itself. Let's not piss on the counsel of God. Let's not despise the work of the Lord. Knowing that God is with us. Because here's the thing. You must reach this state. You must remember where we are, but also remember what is at stake. In Nehemiah chapter 4, this is what is at stake. Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 7. Nehemiah 4 and 7 says, But it came to pass that when Stambalat and Tobiah and the Arabians and the Ammonites and Eshadites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were made up and that the breaches began to be stopped, then they were very wroth and conspired all of them together to come and to fight against Jerusalem to hinder it. Nevertheless, we made our prayer unto God and set a watch against them day and night because of them. Again, you see here, right, that even though they conspired against us, we pray. Who we pray to? We pray to our God. In other words, the adversary is there to fight against us. But we pray to God. You know, so, so pray to God for what? That we will stay on watch. We will endure. That we will not come off of the wall. Why? Because what's at stake? Jump down to verse 14. And I looked and rose up and said unto the nobles 
and to the rulers and to the rest of the people. Be ye not afraid of them. Remember the Lord which is great and terrible and fight for your brethren, your sons and your daughters and your wives and your houses. We are in a fight not only for this generation but the generations to come. What's at stake is a fight for our brother. We're here fighting for our brother, for our family. We're going to fight for this generation and for the generations to come. That's what's at stake. That's why we need to make sure we put our hands to the work of the ministry and get this church established from generations to come. Right? From great, great, great grandchildren that we may never even physically see, that Church of Living Water will be there a light for them, to minister the gospel to them, to speak truth in darkness, to establish them in, the, in their walk. This is the work that we, God has called us to do. That's what's at stake. We are here establishing. We are those wall builders. We must stay on the wall and remember what's at stake. Stay on the fight. We're fighting for our brother. See, if you truly care for your brother, you'll fight for him. If you truly care for your family, you'll fight for him. If you truly care for this generation, generations to come, you will fight for them. And the fight is to stay in the plan and purpose of God that He's given for us to do at this time. Again, God is faithful. Now here are some statements to bring to your remembrance. Things that have been made in the past teachings. Just a few just to remind you of. Remember, preparation requires participation. Again, preparation requires participation. That's why I said before, you have to participate. You have to put your hands to the work. This is no, the ministry is not for those that are on the sidelines. You actually got to get in the game, baby. They have to actually put you in. You're going to put in the work. Put your hands to the work. Learn to love preparation. Remember, these are things that were said before. Learn to love preparation. Don't be so fast to just go out there and do something without you being prepared. God will only use us as we are being prepared, as we are being restored. Learn to love the preparation. We need to be both productive and established. Many, of, many people in this ministry, they may be productive. Many of them may be established. We're talking about spiritually and naturally. But they are both productive and established. Again, that's the fight that we're on. That's what's at stake. That's what we said where we are. That's the distress that's here. We have to be productive and established to continue this on. If you build a defense mechanism against the word of truth going forth, you have opened up the gates of hell over your life. Again, if you build a defense mechanism against the word of truth that is going forth, you have opened up the gates of hell over your life. Stop your defense mechanism when the word of truth is going forth. Stop looking at the vessel which the word of truth is coming from. That's hindering you from hearing from God. You have opened up the gates of hell over your own life. Again, understand a pastor is a gift from God. 
And here you are rejecting the gift because of, of, the, of the vessel that it's in, the gender that it's in. You are foolish. But again, it's not hurting them. It's hurting you. Because God's giving you that gift for you. Here's the thing I never forget. I, I heard from the Spirit of God years ago. I caught this. At the time, Sister Hill said that maybe God had put something in her for you. She said that years ago. That maybe God had put something in her for you. So guess what? If you don't want to receive from her, then you're not going to receive from God. Because God put it in her for you. So don't come against the gift that God's given to you. How foolish and unlearned is that? Again, we're talking about Pastor Appreciation Month. You better appreciate your pastor to give from God. Because that's to help you. Remember, in order to be used by God, you must be restored. And you must be fit for the restoration process. Now here we go. You must be fit for the restoration process. How are you fit for the restoration process? Turn to Luke chapter 22. How are you fit for the restoration process? Luke chapter 22. In Luke chapter 22, this was at the time when Jesus was there with his disciples and they were preparing the Passover feast. They were all sitting down. We call it the Lord's Supper. But it's amazing who was there and what happened during this time. Luke chapter 22 again. How are you fit for the preparation process? Luke chapter 22. Let's start at verse number 1. Now the feast of unleavened bread drew nigh, which is called the Passover. And the chief priests and scribes sought how they might kill him, for they feared the people. Then entered Satan into Judas, surnamed Iscariot, being of the number of the twelve. And he went his way and communion with the chief priests and captains, how he might betray him unto them. And they were glad and covenanted to give him money. And he promised and sought opportunity to portray him unto them in the absence of the multitude. So first, how are you fit for the restoration process? Don't betray leadership. And we're looking at Judas as an example for this. Don't betray leadership. If you're part of the restoration process, don't betray the leadership that's going to help you to be restored. Judas didn't realize that he was now in the preparation process with all the other disciples at this moment. But instead of enduring the preparation process that Judas needed, he decided to betray the leadership. What is betrayal? Betrayal is breaking or violation of trust to deliver or, ex or expose in order to receive personal gain and to bring prosecution to be disloyal. Again, betrayal. Breaking or violation of trust to deliver 
or expose in order to receive personal gain and to bring prosecution to be disloyal. That's betrayal. And betrayal starts when you start voicing your disapproval about leadership on how they handle a a situation. Betrayal starts in you voicing it. You voicing your disapproval of the leadership of how they handle the situation. That is what we call murmuring. Murmuring when you, when you voice your disapproval about leadership, about how they're handling a situation. This is what Judas did. He was the one that betrayed Christ, betrayed Jesus. But it started with his voicing of his disapproval. Keep your ribbon here at at Luke chapter 22. Turn to John chapter 12. John chapter 12. We're going to learn some things from Judas. You better learn that you don't want to be called Judas. I, I hope nobody has a child named Judas. John chapter 12. Starting at verse number 3. Watch this. Then took Mary a pound of ointment, a spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. The key uh, word in this passage scripture for Judas and for those who have the, the attributes of Judas, this ointment was very costly. And she, Mary, anointed the feet of Jesus with this costly ointment. With her hair and the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Verse 4. Then said one. Then said one. One. There's always one in the bunch. One of his disciples. Judas Iscariot. Simon's son. Which should betray him, why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? Again, betrayal starts by you voicing your disapproval of a decision that was made about a situation, how it was handled. He wants to know how come we didn't sell this ointment and he even gave a price. He knows how much the ointment costs. And give it to the poor. Like, he truly cares for the poor. Watch Judas in the congregation. It's always going to deal with money when it comes to Judas. It's amazing. You're not, you're not talking about things when, when people's lives get saved or, or the salvation happens or redemption happens people's lives. Judas never speaks up. But let an issue come up about money and how the handling of money was done in leadership. Judas speaks up. Betrayal is there. Over money. How it's handled. And get this. It's not your money. Why are you concerned about somebody else's money? Watch how Judas is in the congregation. Even in this time we are in now. Right? Even in the time we are virtual, uh, uh, you know, teaching and live streaming and, and then by giving like well you know Judas will speak to you Judas will send you a text 
Why are we giving during this time? Not asking about anything else. Ask the question, why are we giving during this time? That's Judas. Asking you about decisions that are going on about the money. I'm going to tell you, I'm always, you know, like the, the lights go on or the red flag goes up when people start talking about money. When it comes to ministry. Questioning. Why do we spend money on this? You know, why do we buy rugs for the sanctuary? That's Judas. Why do we buy things in the children ministry? Why do we buy things for the event committee? What, what? We could have took that money and went out there and feed the homeless. With what? The money that you're not giving? That's Judas. Like you truly have a care for the poor. But we're going to see what Judas has a care for. Verse 5 again. Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the, the poor. Again, this he said, not that he cared for the poor. This he said, not that he cared for the poor. But because he was a thief and had the bag and bear what was put therein. Judas is a thief. He was stealing from the money bag. The bag that was they was collection they was carrying around at, with the disciples. He was stealing from that bag. Judas is a thief. And there are thieves amongst us. Again, we're talking about how you fit for the restoration process. Don't betray leadership. Don't be a thief in ministry. Here you are. Well, I'm not a thief. I don't hold on to the, the, the money back. But you hold on to the tithe that belongs to God. You hold on to pastor compensation that belongs to right as a, as, a, as a member of this church to give towards the compensation for our, God, for our pastor. You hold on to it. You take away from it. And all the other givings that we have. You are a thief. And you're amongst us. And then you talk about it. You bring up pastor compensation. Why, why are we giving pastor compensation? Because it's right to do. And here you say, well, I don't think, you know, pastor needs anything. That's not even your call. It, guess what? It doesn't even matter what she needs. Those that minister the gospel... Right? They need to live of the gospel. They need to eat, partake of the gospel. Those that they minister to, it is our right to be able to give towards them. They have a right to take of that. They can take of it. They have a right to take of it. Regardless of what they have, they have a right. Who gave them that right? God did. So here you are talking about pastor compensation. I'm going to tell you this. Go back and listen to the teaching we taught on Years ago about what compensation is. You don't even understand compensation is. Your mindset is on a salary. Compensation is more than a salary. Compensation deals with living expenses, deals with insurance, deals with stuff that you take for granted that you have. Because you have a job in this world. Our pastor doesn't have that kind of work. But they have the same responsibility they've got to take care of. And you complain about compensate, compensating your pastor that God has given a gift for you. You are a thief when you hold back and not give. 
and you hold back because you don't care for that. You care for yourself. You know what a thief is, right? A thief ain't stealing for nobody else. It's stealing for them. You have a selfishness and care for you. That's why in this, in this process of restoration, you're not going to be restored. Let me, let me help you with that, right? You're not going to be restored. Let me help you look at Judas. Judas was not restored. God has given you an opportunity to be restored, but with that heart, you're going to have to bring forth correction to be restored. So again, he didn't care for the poor, but because he was a thief, he had the bag. And bear that was put therein. Remember, Judas betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. 30 pieces of silver. That's why it's so important. These teachings that we've been continually hearing about tithes and offerings. You know, again, we saw in Malachi, will a man rob God? You say, where have we robbed me? In tithes and offerings. And then for you to sit there and say, well, I don't have it to give. Let me, let me be clear. Again, I'm, I'm dealing with it. And I know we have visitors that are watching. Praise God for you. But sometimes we deal with a little house business. You know, pastor conversation is dealing with the house business. Right. When we when we rolled out pastor compensation for those that are members of this church, let me tell you what God said. God said you had it. God said it. Now, if you say you don't have it, then you take that up with God. I don't want to hear that. Well, I don't have it. God said you had it. Now, what you did with it is called a thief and you stole from it. But God said you had it. So when you sit there and say comments about, I don't know why we're doing this when it comes to passive compensation, or I don't have it, or what about other people? And again, we always say, don't talk about other people. We're talking about your situation. We love to bring up some other people. Well, how do they expect for these other people? No, God expects for you to do it, because he said you had it. Like, you know, everybody else's situation. Or, or, or here's the thing, right? I don't have a certain kind of job that other people have. What does job got to do with you giving towards God's purpose? Remember, God's giving you the ability to gain wealth. God's giving you the ability to have that job. And you're going to hold back from him. Again, you are a thief. You are among us. Stop stealing from God. Stop robbing from God. You know, we talk about past, uh, uh, past appreciation. We talk about honoring our pastor. When you don't give in past appreciation... You're not bringing honor to your pastor. You, you can't sit here and say you appreciate your pastor when you're not participating pastor, uh, in pastor compensation. And I know some of y'all don't want to hear that, but that is the truth. Stop it. Stop lying to yourself. That's where Judas was. You're portraying to be something that you are not. Verse 6 again. This said not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the bag and bare what was put therein. Therein Jesus said, I'm sorry, then said Jesus, let her alone against the day of my bearing, bearing hath she kept this. For the poor always 
ye have with you. But me, ye have not always. He, Jesus, I love it. Jesus didn't even address Judas. He said, leave her alone. Leave this woman alone. Right? In other words, whatever decisions that leadership makes about the money, let it go. All you need to do is participate in it. Because that's what God has called you to do. Do your work. You, here's your work. You bring forth the offering. How they deal with the offering, leave that alone. Let it go. You just bring forth the offering that God has told you to bring. If not, you want... These are the small foxes that spoil the vine. If you don't, you will not be fit for the restoration process because you are in a place where you're going to start betraying leadership. You're going to start voicing your disapproval. And settle this. Settle this. Pastor Hill, Alva Hill, holds the office of pastor in this local congregation. She holds, that's right, she holds the office of pastor in this local congregation. She has been ordained by God for this time, this season that we are in. I'll say that again. She has been ordained by God. Why? Because God knows what we need in order for us to move forward in ministry. And then never forget, when you come against pastor and the office of pastor, you're not coming against her, you're coming against God. Whenever you speak in voice against leadership that has been ordained and established by God, you are coming against God. Turn to Exodus chapter 16. We'll come back to this in, in Luke and John. Exodus chapter 16. You better watch who you think you're speaking to. You think you're talking to some person. And you just spoke to God. And here's the thing about God. God will show up on you. You know, no, you think you, you're talking. It's amazing how, how you think you're speaking to somebody and then somebody else will answer. That's what I mean by God will show up to you. You think you're talking to some woman or some man, and then God will answer you by the conversation you just had. Exodus 16, look at this in verse 8. Because again, this is not the first time people murmured against leadership, against who God had called for a particular office. They murmured against Moses. You see Judas murmuring against Jesus. Exodus 16. Look at this in verse 8. And Moses said, This shall be when the Lord shall give you in the evening flesh to eat and in the morning bread to the full. And for that the Lord heareth your murmurings, which you murmur against him. And what are we? Again, Read this again. It says, For the Lord heareth your murmurings, which you murmur against Him. And what are we? Your murmurings 
are not against us, but against the Lord. Because they murmured about manna coming down from heaven. And the flesh that came down, the quail that was came down, they had so much quail, they were coming out their flesh with the quail. They started murmuring about the provision. Because at one time they were mad because they were hungry. And then God gave them manna from heaven, then they complained about the manna. Not, not, com- not complaining to God about it. They thought they were complaining to Moses about it. But Moses, hey, I ain't sending down no manna from heaven. Who do you think I am? I'm not God. I'm the representative of God for you. So don't come complain at me. And that's what we do. When you murmur against those in delegate authority, you are coming against God, not them. And God will answer you. Go back to Luke. Chapter 22. You know, sometimes you teach messages and and you mean for them to be strong. I mean for this to be strong this morning. I want you to hear from the Spirit of God. So that you can be fit for the restoration process. We are in the season of preparation. And you've got to be fit for it. And if you're portraying leadership, you are not going to be fit to be restored. And, we'll see, and we're seeing it. I want you to see how Jesus, Judas was there to be God was there to restore him. Along with the other disciples. But it started with that portrayal. Now, in order to be fit for the, the preparation process, I mean, sorry, in order to be fit for the restoration process, do not betray leadership. Next, you need to make sure that you are in position to be used by God. Get into position. In Luke 22, starting at verse 14. And when the hour was come, he sat down and the twelve apostles with him. And he said unto them, With desire I have desire to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say unto you, I will not any more eat thereof until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup and gave thanks and said, Take this, divide it among yourselves. For I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. And he took the bread and he gave thanks and brake it and gave unto them saying, This is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. Likewise also the cup after supper saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood which is shed for you. Notice, all the disciples were there in position to be restored. You have to be in position to be restored. They were all there. Notice this about the cup. Interesting to me. Verse 17 again. It says, and he took the cup. He gave thanks and said, take this, divide it amongst yourselves. You notice the cup that he had was divided amongst each and every one of them. Nobody got no more. Nobody got no less. They all had the same amount. You know, like we talk about the same spiritual drink. It's the same. It was nothing like, oh, you got a little more than I did. You got a little less than I did. It was the same amount. And all given the same instructions to drink. 
to eat. He broke it. He didn't break it. You know, you think about, I think about it was bread. You know, you think about his children growing up and siblings, you know, and you pass around bread and you take out, you break a piece of bread and somebody get the smaller piece and you, get, and you laugh at them as, you know, brothers and sisters. Or you got the little end. Or you get the end of the bread. Everybody hates. So you break it first because I don't want the end. I want more the middle or soft. And, and then you laugh at the one that got the, you know, got the end piece. It was bread. They, he broke it. Nobody was complaining about, your piece is bigger than mine. You got more juice than I got. They were all in position. You have to be in position to be used by God. If you weren't at the Lord's Supper, guess what? You weren't getting, we call it communion at this time. You weren't there. Only those disciples received the communion that was there. Only them that was there. Stay in position. Why is it so important to stay in position? Because once you get out of position, you will miss things. You will miss things that God has for you to be restored. Going back to Judas. At this time, Judas was there. Guess what though? Judas left. And he missed the restoration process. Look at this in, in, go back to John. John 13. Keep this in mind how we're seeing the Lord's Supper. John 13. John 13, starting at verse... See, we want to start at. Verse 21. Again, the same incident about the Lord's Supper. But this is another, another passage of Scripture to read about what's going on. John 12, I'm sorry, John 13, verse 21. When Jesus had thus said, he was troubled in his spirit and testified and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, that one of you, Back to this one. One of you shall betray me. And we know who the betrayer is. It's Judas. Then the disciples looked one on another, doubting of whom he spoke. Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. Simon Peter therefore beckoned to him that he should ask who it should be of whom he spake. You know, I love Peter like, uh, ask him who it is that's going to betray him. He then, lying on Jesus' breast, said unto him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, He it is to whom I shall give a sop when I have dipped it. And when he had dipped the sop, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. Now how plain this is, is he's showing him who is the one who's going to betray him. And after the sop, Satan entered into him. Then said Jesus unto him, that that thou doest, do quickly. Now no man at the table knew for what intent he spake this unto him. For some of them thought because Judas had the bag in the money bag that Jesus had said unto him, buy those things that we have need of against the feast or that he should give something to the poor. 
Verse 30. He then, having received the sup, went immediately out. And it was night. At that point, Judas left. At that point, Judas was no longer in position. The other twelve was there. Now, here's the thing. Judas left. Look at everything that Judas missed when he got out of position. From John chapter 13, let me help you. John chapter 13, when did Judas show back up? Judas showed back up in John 18. Go to John chapter 18. Verse 1, when Jesus had spoken these words, he went forth with his disciples over the brook of Cedrum, where was a garden into which he entered, and his disciples. And Judas also, which betrayed him, knew the place, for Jesus oftentimes resorted therefore with his disciples. Judas then, having received a band of men and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, cometh thither with lanterns and torches and weapons. So between John chapter 13, verse 30, to John chapter 18, verse 1, Judas wasn't, didn't hear any of this. You look at this. What did Judas miss? He missed John chapter 14, verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. Judas missed that. All, I hope you're catching this. Everything was there for Judas to be restored. You have to be fit for the preparation, I mean, fit for the restoration process. You need to stay in position or you will miss the things that you need to be restored. Judas never heard this. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Judas never heard that. Verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If you have known me, you should have known my Father also. And from henceforth you know him and have seen him. Here's a good one that Judas missed. Verse 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter. That he may abide with you forever. Judas needed the comfort. He missed all. It's amazing. The time that you walk out from the things that God had called you to do is when here, here, that's when your help just came. The day you leave, the day the service that you missed, that was the service that God was ready to restore things in your life. To give you what you needed for you to continue on in the work of ministry. I'm saying you have to stay in place. That's, that's the reason why I, I again, I thank God for staying in this ministry for the time when I came. I stayed. There's plenty of opportunities to leave. Let me tell you something. It's easy to leave. (laughs) Easy. It's easy to get offended and go. About any little thing. Somebody didn't speak to me today. I'm going back to that church. It's easy to get offended and go. But to stay and to hear from God, to get established in your heart so that you can be restored. That's the work. Judas missed all this. See, for you say, I'm not Judas. What have you missed? You missed a whole lot. And guess what? You're still missing a lot. I'm going to tell you this. If you missed family life class this morning, you missed a whole lot. Just today. 
And who you missed it from? From God. Stop looking at the people that are up here as the vessels saying, oh, they, I know that person. Stop being so familiar with the vessel. You have missed this from God. God is speaking to your heart to bring forth restoration to you and you refuse to hear from Him. Now, I want to hear from God, but you won't get up and listen to an 845 live stream. Well, I'll catch it when, it when it comes back. No, you won't. You know, some things you need, need to hear live. For you, you need to hear it live. Going back and listening to it is for your own edification to hear things that you missed when you heard it live. But you need to hear it live. So these things that... Judas, Judas missed all this. I mean, we can go on and on. Look, look at this in, in chapter 15. Verse 1, I am the true vine, and my father is a husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, in he taketh away. Every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth fruit and more fruit. I'm just, I, you, you go read, verse, read chapter 14, 15, 16, and 17, and see all these that Judas missed. And again, think about you. All the things that you have missed. Are you in the state that you're in? He missed all this. This was here to help him. Not just the other uh, 11 disciples. It was to help him. Verse, verse, uh, chapter 15, verse 11. It says, this, These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. I'll tell you something. I thank God I didn't miss this. I'm thankful to God. I'm going to tell you, you know, that's, that's the thing that keeps me going now. You know, I'll say these things, right? That, that's the thing that keeps me going now. You know, when it comes to my founding pastor, I thank God I didn't miss the time when he was here. I didn't miss it. I was in the moment. You know, I, I heard from my founding pastor many times. I made sure I was in a position to hear what he had to say because I know he was hearing for God. For me. I didn't care about it. If you didn't get it, that was you. You had your own issues. You weren't going to take me away from here from my founding pastor. You are crazy because I need it. I put my supposition to hear what he had to say because I know he was hearing for God for me and for my home. I needed the counsel of God. That's why, you know, when September 1st came, to, you know, that, that when he passed away, I'm going to tell you something. It hurt, it hurt me to my, my very heart. But you know something? I never had regrets. Because I wasn't regretting. Like, oh, I, I wish this. Not me. Because you know something? He know how I felt about him. I know how I felt. Uh, how, he know how I felt about him. I know how I felt about him. And he knew that as well. I know how he felt about me. And, my, and I have regrets because I was there. I allowed him to pour into my life. You see, you know how silly that sounds. That is so selfish to think about it, right? You allow somebody to pour into your heart. I allowed it. Silly coming against your pastor. That was the gift for you. So I didn't have regrets. It hurt. But I didn't have regrets. Wishing this, wishing that, please. No. I remember. I was there. I didn't miss moments and pockets. You know, you up and down. You know, you sitting down and you offended. You're not even here at church, and you didn't go into that mess. I stayed where I need to be at position, so I wanted to hear from God. 
And I'm saying these things to say where you are at now, the same place you are at now. Don't have regrets. The way things are now won't always be. You better make sure that you are paying attention and stay in position to hear from God now. Take advantage of it. Don't miss. Because the things that we are preparing for, what's coming next, if you miss it, when, when, when next comes, you won't be prepared. And then you'll ask God what happened. God, like, I gave you all the counsel for years to prepare you for this moment. But because you forsake the counsel for those years, when the moment came, devastation came along with it. And then you blame the church or blame the ministry for that. Stay in position. Man, if Judas was only stayed. And we understand it was written that he was a son of perdition. I mean, I think Jesus said that in John. He said, hey, I haven't lost not one except for the son of perdition because it was written. But still, he had a choice. We all have choices. That's why you need to honor and appreciate the gift of your pastor. So you can stay in position. Because the messages, the teachings that they are bringing forth are from God that's going to help you for what's to come. Alright, so how do we avoid the pitfalls of of the restoration process? Let me say this again. We must avoid the pitfalls of restoration process. The pitfalls of the restoration process, one we talked about is betrayal. Another one is strife and envy. And then we have denial. Now go back to Luke 22. Luke 22. Again, we're just talking about being fit for the restoration process. Luke 22. Starting in verse number 31. I'm sorry. We left off at verse 20. Starting in verse number 20. Get myself straight here. Verse number 20. Luke 22 and 20. It says, Likewise also, the cup after supper, saying, This cup is a New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. Verse 21. But, behold, the hand of him that betrayeth me is with me on the table. And truly the Son of Man goeth as it is determined. But woe unto the man, that man by whom he is betrayed. And they began to inquire among themselves which of them it was that should do this thing. And there was also a strife among them which of them should be accounted the greatest. Again, talking about being fit for the restoration process, you don't put yourself into strife with one another. What is strife? Strife is anger or bitter disagreement over truth that leads to rivalry. Strife is anger or bitter disagreement over truth that leads to rivalry. So it says, not only talk about who was going to betray him during that time, they're asking that. It's amazing. Strife was there. And this is all at the Lord's Supper. They, they, they were, 
at this time of Passover, it's amazing to me, this happened during the Passover meal. Strife. Who should be accounted the greatest? So strife will lead to rivalry. And when I say rivalry, rivalry, rivalry is thinking you are greater than others and you are challenging others to prove it. Again, rivalry is thinking you are greater than others. And then you're challenging others to prove it. Rivalry leads to competition with one another to show who is greater. It leads to your competition. Right? So what's the answer to this? What's the cure to rivalry and strife? It's service to the Lord. So let's read on. And there was, verse 24, And there was also strife among them, which of them should be accounted the greatest. And he said unto them, The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and they that exercise authority upon them are called benefactors. But ye should not be so. But he that is greatest among you, let him be as the younger. He that is chief, he that doth serve. For whether is greater, he that sitteth at meat or he that serveth, is not he that sitteth at meat, but I am among you as he that serveth. Ye are they which have continued with me in my temptations, and I appoint unto you a kingdom as my Father hath appointed unto me, that ye may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Here's what Jesus told him, right? You're talking about who is the greatest. I'm greater than all of you, but I sit here and serve. I'm serving. If you want to be great, the cure for strife and rivalry is to serve your service to the Lord. Serve your brother. Serve one another. One thing about serving, you have to be humble. To serve, it takes humility. See, that's what, that's, what, that's what knocks a lot of y'all out, right? You don't want to humble yourself. You don't want to be humble. You have to humble yourself and serve one another because if you serve somebody, that lets them know that they have value. You know, we're talking these things. I hope you're putting, connecting all the dots, right? All the, these teachings, right? Every, we have, everyone has value in this time. That's what we're restoring this generation. This generation has value. We should be able to, to serve those in this generation. Why? Because they have value. When I serve someone, I'm showing them, you have value. They need to know that they are valuable. They're valuable to God and to me. Why? Because we need them. We need them in, in this arise and build that we are in. So I serve. It's not a strife of, of somebody getting somebody to serve me, who is the greatest. Stay in service to the Lord. Again, that's how you're going to stay fit for the restoration process. You won't betray leadership. You'll, you'll get yourself in position to be used by God. You won't get pulled into strife with one another because you are serving one another because you see value in them for ministry. And then you have to take heed to the warnings from godly authority. Take heed. There are warnings. They're not suggestions. There are warnings that's going to help you in this walk in ministry. As us being wall builders. You have to take heed to it. 
Look at this in, in Matthew chapter 26. Again, we looked at the same incident in John and in Luke. We're going to look at this now in Matthew chapter 26. Take heed to the warnings. Matthew 26, starting at verse number 31. Let's start at verse number 27. We're going to read into this a little bit. Matthew 26 and 27. It says, And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it. For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say unto you, I will not drink here, here henceforth of this fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung and, and when they had sung in him, they went out into the Mount of Olives. Then said Jesus to them, All ye shall be offended because of me this night. For it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. But after I am risen again, I will go before you into Galilee. Again, verse 31, Jesus is very clear. He says, all of you shall be offended because of me. That was a warning to every one of the disciples. When the warnings come in ministry, they are there to prepare you for what is coming. Warnings come to prepare you for what is coming. And he's telling them, all of you shall be offended because of me this night. Then he says, for it is written. Now, now you're not going to change what is written. If, if, if it's written that, you, that all you're going to be offended, then guess what? All you're going to be offended. He said it is written. So, don't refuse the godly counsel that is written by God and spoken by his delegated authority. I'll say this again. Don't refuse the godly counsel that is written by God and spoken to you by his delegated authority. Why do you come against the counsel of God when it's written? You're not going to change. In other words, you're not going to prove God's wrong. What happens when somebody tells you something, tell you something, somebody from godly counsel tells you something that is written, that God has spoken to them, and you refuse it? That is called denial. You are in denial. You're denying it because you're going to prove God wrong. You will never prove God wrong. Instead, when they tell you that counsel, you should accept it and prepare because it is coming. Then you know there's something I need to prepare for instead of being in denial. What is denial? The assertion that a statement or allegation is not true. Your assertion that the statement or an allegation is not true, that is called denial. How can you deny the truth when it is written by God? That's what I mean. Take heed to the warnings and stop being in denial. This is how you're not fit for the, for the restoration process. Many in this ministry are in, in a stage of denial. Statements of truth are being said 
but you don't receive them as statements of truth. Now we're going to see Peter for an example. We saw Judas for an example for portrayal. Now we're going to see Peter for an example of the denial. Now Jesus just said, verse 31, All ye shall be offended because of this night, for it is written, I will smite the shepherd and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad, but I am risen, but after I am risen again, I will go before you into Galilee. Peter answered and said unto him, Though all may shall be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. How can you say that statement when he just said, All oh, you're going to be offended when it's written? That's how we are. Somebody give, the, they give you the counsel of the Lord. And then you turn around and say, No, that, ain't, that counsel of the Lord ain't, it is not talking about me. It is talking about you. Instead of, stay, instead of getting yourself prepared for the offenses that are coming, you're saying, I'm not going to be offended. You're in denial. Again, Peter answered and said to them, Though all men, I like, you mean that's how we do. Other people, it's going to be offended. This word ain't for me. Maybe he's talking to my neighbor. He was talking to everybody on the live stream, but you ain't talking to me. I won't be offended because of this. Yeah, he said, I will never be offended. You're not going to change God's written word. Offenses will lead to denial. When you are offended, it leads to your denial. Again, what I, again, what I mean by that, you can tell the offended folks because when the statements of truth come, they'll say that's not true. That's me. When you, are, you can tell when you're offended. So I don't know if I'm offended or not. When you change the statements of truth and say that it's not for you, then you are in a state of offense. When you cannot receive statements of truth that are written... You know, this is the thing people say, right? You have your pastor that ministers, that says something to you, coming from the Word of God, and you sit there and say, that wasn't of God. You are offended. Because that was a statement of truth for you, and, you, the use, and, and you're in a state of being offended. You're like, I'm not, that wasn't God. Saying that wasn't true. But then it plays out in your life that it was God and it was true. Because it's written. We, we cannot, you're not going to change the written word of God. So, so how should I respond when I hear statements of truth that are warning? Prepare. That's why we are in a preparation phase now. We're preparing for what's coming. Prepare. Stop denying and start preparing. Because it's coming. You're not going to stop it from coming. Prepare. Peter answered and said unto him, Though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. Verse 34. Jesus said unto him, Verily, I say unto thee, that this night, before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. You know, I love, it's Jesus like, let me just be clear with you. You will deny me before the night is out. Three times. Not once. Not twice. But three times you're going to deny me before the night is out. When you said, I'll never be offended. Then Peter again, verse 35, just let, let it go. But you know, sometimes we just can't let it go. Let it go. Peter said unto him, though I should die with thee, yet will I not deny thee. Likewise also said all the disciples. Now you got the disciples caught up. 
in denial. Everybody didn't catch what Jesus said. It is written. I will smite the shepherd and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. It is written. Prepare. Then he said, but after I've risen again, I will go before you in Galilee. He's telling them, this is going to happen, but I'm going to be risen again. I got this. Prepare for it. Prepare for it. He's telling them, prepare for my resurrection. We didn't catch that at all. All we heard was the, uh, was the part about me being offended. He didn't hear the part about the, the glory that was coming in his resurrection. Nobody even caught that statement. All we caught up is that, oh, I'm not offended. I'm never going to deny him. Prepare for the resurrection that's coming. That means you need to be in position for when I rise again, you need to be there. Ready for that. And then after Peter said this, Jesus didn't say nothing else to him. You know, he said this night, he told him night's going to happen. Guess what? It all played out. And the thing about Peter, Peter denied Jesus three times. This is what he denied. He denied that he was one of the disciples. Peter denied that he was one of the disciples. On the same night, this ain't two weeks later, three weeks later, two days later. We're talking about a few hours later. He denied that he was one of the disciples. I wasn't following him. I was not with him. Take heed to these warnings. This truth is being spoken by God. Apply it for your life. This is going to help you. Take heed to it. It's so important. I'm telling you, these things are so important that we're just not just going through the motion. This is God. Do I start out? This is God's plan. This is God's purpose. And we are flowing with it. So the messages that are coming forth, the warnings that are coming forth, you better take it to heart that it is coming from God. So that you can take heed to all the warnings and prepare. Now everybody that asks what's coming. Let me help you out with what is coming. You know what's coming? The Lord is coming. We in Matthew, I'm just going to read this. Matthew chapter 24. Because I mean, it's amazing people go, what's coming? The Lord is coming. And, and when the Lord comes, what will He find you doing? The Lord is coming. Everything we've been prepared for is for the coming, returning of the Lord. The coming of the Lord is going to happen. And are you prepared when He comes? What is He going to find you doing? I'm going to close with this. Matthew chapter 24, verse, starting at verse number 42. Watch therefore. Sorry, Matthew, let me slow down. Matthew 24, verse 42. Watch, therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. He's coming. But know this, that if the good man of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore, be ye also ready. Therefore, be ye also ready. For in such an hour as ye think not the Son of Man cometh, when then is a faithful and wise servant, whom his Lord hath made ruler over his household, to give them meat in due season? Blessed is that servant, whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Find so doing what? Being a faithful and a wise servant. Verily I say unto you that ye shall make him ruler over all 
his goods. But, and if, that evil servant shall say in his heart, My Lord delayeth in his coming, and shall begin to smite his fellow servants, and to eat and drink with the drunken, the Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looketh not for him, and in an hour that he is not aware of, and shall cut him asunder, and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of the teeth. So what is the Lord going to find you doing when he comes? The Lord is coming. Is he going to find you faithful and wise as a servant? I like he took, he put faithful and wise together. Why he put faithful and wise together? Because you, you must be faithful for the work of the Lord. That means you must be committed to the work of the Lord, not getting off, not stopping, stopping the work. You must be faithful. When he comes, he needs to find you faithful. That means you need to be consistent in the work of the Lord. And then wise means you must have the wisdom of God to be successful in the work. You're not just doing something to be doing something. You have to be successful in it. That's faithful and wise. What is he going to find you doing when he comes? And that's what I love about my pastor. I thank God for Pastor Hill. Because she is preparing us for the Lord coming. That's why we're in this work of doing. That's why we're talking about the essential work. We are doing the work of the Lord. So when the Lord comes, he will find us being faithful and wise servants doing See, I'm telling you, our pastor is doing her, her job. She is faithful in that work. She's preparing us for the Lord's coming. That when he comes, he's going to see faithful and wise servants. Thank God for your pastor. Because I'm going to tell you, other churches are not preparing them to be a faithful and wise servant when the Lord comes. They're preparing them for something else. They're not preparing them to be a faithful and a wise servant. Our pastor is. Thank you, Pastor Hill, for that. I love you for it. I thank God for you. That you're keeping us where we need to be at. That's God. You know, these are the times where you know, we have the ministry lines open. These are the times when, I'm going to tell you, if you have concerns or you have things that are going on in your heart that you need prayer for, call those lines. They're open for you. Right? Take a, I said, take advantage of the opportunity. I'm going to tell you, if we didn't have this, you'd be like, I wish they would have. I hate people say that, you know. I, I, that bothers me. That's my issue. You know, I got issues. That's one of mine. I hate people in the, in the times past saying things when they had opportunity to take advantage of they didn't. Then when it's not there no more, they come out how they wish they would have had it. Call the ministry lines. They're able people that have been established by your, your pastor to be able to minister to you. To give you counsel, direction, prayers that you need. You're confused about the Lord's coming. And what are you going to find you doing? They can be able to help you with that. They'll show you the path of Jesus Christ. They'll show you that you don't want to be Jewish. You don't want to miss what God has for you. Because you walked away. They're there for that. Call the lines. This has been established to help you. So you know where you stand with God. Before you stand before God. God is so faithful. He is so good. I thank God for my pastor. Thank God for the heart that she has. That's why she has been ordained by God for us. I'll say this to you, by God for me. Thank you for that. Thank God for that. God is faithful. God is faithful.
This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.